Uh, it's only an hour. Jeff and Jordan, always good. And the crosstalk with those dudes. I would say Lord knows where it's going, but I'm not sure God knows where that thing is going every day. I know where it's going every day. It's going way off the fucking rails, my man. Yeah. And it did today. David Koresh talk, which is always appreciated. Big Sign fan me up that. for any sports conversation that has to do with the Branch Davidians. Yeah, not enough of those these days. I really want Stephen A. and Skip Bayless bantering about that. But instead, how does the Cowboys Sunday night win impact LeBron's legacy? That's something I'm sure that was discussed today. Yeah, I would rather know how many husband wives LeBron would have if he was in the Branch Davidian compound. You know, which wing would he be staying in? That's These are the important questions right there. Very much so. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to another edition of the award-winning Midday program right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Hope y'all had fantastic weekends. Uh, plenty of football to talk about. We'll talk some Longhorns. As Jeff mentioned before, the guys got off the air. That's a few more accolades for some of these Texas football players. We'll talk about them. We'll also recap the NFL Sunday. The Dallas Cowboys making a statement last night against Philadelphia. The Cowboys with the win now currently lead the NFC East. We'll talk about that Chiefs-Bills not-so-controversial ending that apparently is the most talked-about sporting topic today. And uh, also Shohei Otani with a late Friday news dump. Speaking of Baylor, the late Friday news dump from Shohei announcing on Instagram that he is staying in Los Angeles but going to the L.A. Dodgers on a record-setting contract. And, of course, where are we at in society to end the show. So plenty to get to today, my friend. Today's where we at is a regaling of the tale on how I broke my son's thumb yesterday. Oh, it's broken. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we talked about that yesterday. And at that time, there was a chance that it was, but it's been confirmed, huh? Just been a doozy of a 24 hours, BK. I'm a- <laughs> feel terrible right now and uh, i'm just gonna warn you and the people dj i see you in the youtube comment section i know uh, the effect you can have on me i'm easily triggered today so just be careful uh-oh yeah oh brace yourself kids this uh could get dangerous not in the Quickly. mood i considered smoking weed before today's show but i decided against it i want to just be as as pissed off as possible for the duration of uh this program today w- would it be legal for you to smoke weed on this show while we're live streaming on YouTube. Like, does that offset the fact that we're in Texas where weed is still illegal? We we could do that. I, I think I would just have to avoid saying I'm here. I am about to take a hit of weed, but I think I could do it. You want me to do it right now? You want to test this out? I guess. I don't know. We got cops on speed dial. Oh boy. Let's hope it airs out before the kids get home. All right. right. Hang tight. All right. Well, there we go. This is a a great start to today's show. I'll talk some Texas football, though, and we'll get Trey's thoughts on these. Uh, The AP All-America teams have been announced. Also, the AP announced some All-Big 12 winners. Well, even though Steve Sarkeesian was not named Big 12 Coach of the Year by the other Big 12 coaches, he was named Big 12 Coach of the Year by the Associated Press. So tip of the cap to the media. Uh, They don't get everything right, but they got this one right. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian, your coach of the year in the Big 12, of course, for your Big 12 champion, Texas Longhorns. Devondre Sweat was named Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. The accolades for that young man just continue to come, and deservedly so. He won the Outland Trophy over the weekend 
which is uh, given out to the nation's best interior lineman on either offense or defense. T. Sweat took home that award, so congrats to him, and he keeps getting named to a different All-America team seemingly every hour. And then the AP Newcomer of the Year for the Big 12, Mo City Mitch, the great Adonai Mitchell. And here we go. See, this is it. This is why you tune in to Texas Sports Unfiltered right here. We weren't allowed to do this stuff at the old place. Although we did drink a lot on the air at the old place. I shouldn't say a lot. That that, that puts us in a bad light. But there are a few shows where we cracked open some cold ones or ripped some fireball on the air. But I don't know if anyone ever did that inside the building. Parking lot? Different story. Inside the building? I don't know. Remind me to tell you about the Texas Stars plan that uh, has been concocted that I want you to be a part of off the air. I don't want to talk about that on the show. But yeah, just the, there we go. Just uh, inhaled some Texas tobacco there, so we'll uh, we'll see what that does to uh, today's program. Can we do a little Blues Clues action where you, you you put it through the TV and I can get it? Like will you puff puff pass it through the computer screen so I can partake? This? Oh man, how crazy would it be if I had that exact same pipe and just we we were good at effects and we could make it look like it was real? That that'd be that'd be wild. I would wonder. If uh, if you also uh, purchased yours impromptu off of the guy that you were getting your Texas tobacco from, oh, is that what you did? Yeah, it was like I mine just broke. Do you have one? Boom, <laughs> just like that. Threw it in for free. He charge you. Uh, I th- I may have thrown him a little bit extra. I don't okay. remember. That's awesome. Very that nice. is awesome. All right. Uh, yeah, I mentioned it. AP Awards. Sark was Big Twelve Coach of the Year. Tamandre Sweat, Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. Adonai Mitchell, uh, Big 12 Newcomer of the Year. All all pretty well-deserved. Like, hard to make a case that Texas had somebody who should have won Offensive Player of the Year. Obviously, this Texas offense has been great, and a lot of guys, you know, were given all-conference recognition. But feels like uh, Texas needed to win most of the other awards, and whether it was the conference itself or now the AP, the Longhorns are getting the recognition that they deserve. Quinn Ewers probably would have won Offensive Player of the Year had he remained healthy for all 12 games. But ultimately, I think that's also a testament. And, and maybe Jonathan Brooks has a shot, too, if he stays healthy for all 12 games. But this is also a testament to so many different guys chipping in. You could say the same thing about the defense, too. There have been games defensively down the stretch this regular season. Heck, even the Big 12 championship game where it's like, is there any one standout in this game? No, because as a team, they just played so well together. There didn't need to be that one guy who's having to go Superman on the situation. Yeah, Sark's uh, talked about it all season long. Like, this team is versatile. They can beat you in a number of different ways, and that's what really good teams do. So, yeah, there were obviously some games where Quinn Ewers kind of put this team on its back. Yeah. Some games where Jonathan Brooks did the same thing before he went down. Some games where the defense just carried the weight and the offense didn't have things clicking. Uh, yeah, this is a complete football team. It's a reason why. They're one of the four teams still competing for a national championship. This team is loaded with talent. And, and the AP All-Big 12 team came out five first-teamers and four second-teamers for Texas. So X, Sweat, Murphy, Jalen Ford, and Burt Auburn, all first-teamers. I'm glad Burt Auburn got some love. I'm still pissed about him not being named Big 12 Special Teamer of the year by the big 12. That was some more anti-Texas bias on the way out. I'm glad he's getting the love he deserves after making 19 straight field goals. Yeah. It better be a Dixonian effort. If you're going to give special teams player of the year to a freaking punter. And I'm sorry, Texas Tech's punter is no Michael Dixon, sir. No, that guy had a punt blocked by Texas in a game where 
Burt Auburn made five field goals, including a 54-yarder. Didn't even think about that. Good call. Yeah, Burt yeah. got screwed there, but it is nice to see him get some love, just like Sark does. Uh-huh. And then second-teamers, Quinn Ewers, Jonathan Brooks, A.D. Mitchell, Kelvin Banks Jr., uh, all given some love. So it's uh, it's great. It's award season for these kids. And, you know, in the NFL, Trey, with the player contracts, you've got all these incentives. Like if you're a pro bowler, you get more money. If you're MVP, you get more money. If you're an all-pro, you get more money. Do they have that with NIL? Like obviously, if these guys come back next year, they could say, well, you know, look what we did last year. We want more money. Please pay up. But I wonder if there are any like NIL incentives into these deals where now these guys get a little bitter, uh, bigger kick from uh, getting these uh, recognitions. Escalator, that's a great idea. I don't know if it exists yet, but assuming we continue moving towards this model where at the highest level, the schools and or athletics departments are actually setting up and paying these NIL deals to their student athletes, I wouldn't be surprised to see that sort of thing happen because – uh, we have that with coaches and their contracts right now. You see it at the professional level with player contracts. So, yeah, I think it makes a ton of sense that you incentivize these guys to do as well as possible. And by the way, to keep them engaged throughout the course of a season two, where maybe they no longer have those conference or national championship hopes on the line. Yeah, money's the ultimate motivator, isn't yeah. it? Doesn't matter how old you are or what level you're playing at. Like, you got uh, extra cash on the line. Look at the NBA in-season tournament. Like that, a lot of these guys are making millions and millions a year, and then they get a chance to win $500,000 by winning this tournament. And the competition there was uh, way more than you see for for most regular season games. So, boy, they put a lot of resources into that tournament, too, in terms of like what was done to all the different courts, which was a different aesthetic, obviously, to the money being put up, to all of the advertising and promotional stuff. It really started like it felt like midway through this summer, like as soon as last season ended, you were hearing about the end season tournament. And uh, according to those who follow the league the closest, it was a success, too. Yeah, I didn't see any TV ratings for that. I, I wonder if they were really good. The TV ratings. So there, I, I've read a couple of different stories on this. I don't know why I ended up reading stories about this, but I did. That one story said that it was a significant increase versus the. Uh, same block of games essentially from uh, from this point in the schedule last year. So what what would it be late November into early to mid December? But I saw a different set of ratings that are like that. You know, it's not that big. There's maybe a slight uptick, but it's actually not as big as the league was making it seem like. But they're also trying to justify this for that next television partner too. Mm-hmm. And I think even if the ratings weren't enormous versus the previous year you've set a groundwork now where there might be more interest in what happens in this tournament next year and going forward as well. Yeah. Like more people were talking about the NBA before Christmas than ever before, Uh, you know, so I assume they'll bring it back. All right. One more Texas award thing to talk about before we start to recap the NFL action from yesterday. Uh, The athletic named its freshman all America team, Anthony Hill and CJ Baxter, both given some love for that dude. Anthony Hill's good. I don't even want to say he's going to be a beast because he already is a beast, but like I, I'm excited to watch him play in the semifinal because everyone's going to benefit from the 15 practices that Texas had between, you know, Big 12 championship and the Sugar Bowl on January 1st. But I think about a kid like that who has already shown us so much as a true freshman and has already gotten significantly better over the course of the 13 games that he's played into this point. Like I, I think there's a chance that guy goes off against UW. 
I hope so, because if he goes off, it means they're likely putting him in the best position to succeed, which is getting after the quarterback over and over again. I feel like, if anything, right now, he's not quite beast mode just yet because they are helping him develop as more of a traditional linebacker, and he's taken some lumps in that regard. I mean, he hasn't been very good in coverage this year, unfortunately, and uh, we saw a little bit more of that at the end of the regular season, too. Let him be more of a Micah Parsons type against a Washington team that you need to get pressure on the quarterback. Not every time necessarily, but let him do it a little bit more than what we've seen over the, the second half of the season as he has played more of that traditional linebacker role. Yeah. And look, you don't have to spy Michael Penix Jr., right? He's not super fleet of foot. He wants to sit back there in the pocket and pick you apart with his arm. So you can't let him get comfortable back there. You've got to get pressure, which means, yeah, you need your best pass rushers in and in often. So, of course, the interior guys, they got to keep doing their thing. But obviously, you're going to need Baron Sorrell. You're going to need Ethan Burke. You're going to need Justice Finkley. And uh, Anthony Hill obviously belongs in that mix, too. So I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Uh, let Anthony Hill pin his ears back and, and get after Penix in a couple of weeks. Washington's O-line, that's going to be an awesome matchup, man. I'm three weeks away from Texas-Washington, and of course, we'll, we'll really deep dive further into this game the closer we get. But often, uh, Washington's offensive line is one of the best in the country. Hmm. They were a Joe Moore Award finalist. I don't know if they won it. I assume they announced that over the weekend. Doing a quick Twitter search to see here. Um. Yeah, one of four finalists. Did they announce it? Yeah, it doesn't look like they've announced the winner. But Washington, in the eyes of national people, had a top four offensive line in the country. Mm. And Texas, we've obviously watched it all season long. The Longhorns have maybe the top one defensive line in the country. So you talk about strength on strength. Games are always won and lost in the trenches. But whoever can win that matchup of the big uglies up front is probably going to be playing for a national championship on Jan 8. So uh, yeah, put your best guys up there near the line of scrimmage going up against that elite UW O-line and uh, let them go to work. And uh, Anthony Hill's one of those dudes for me. Yeah, he most definitely is. Who did you say the other freshman All-American was for Texas? CJ Baxter. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, hmm, that's interesting. I would not would not guess that he would uh, garner those honors. But he did start on this team for for the uh, the first two games of the year before succumbing to injuries for a game, and uh, he did step back up when need be after Jonathan Brooks went down, too. Yeah, maybe not uh, an amazing year for freshman running backs across the country. Um, I didn't look at the full team. I'm literally just scrolling down Texas football's Twitter right now, and they're just like every 30 minutes they are tweeting something about somebody else winning another award. So I hmm. uh, saw that one earlier today, and probably a few more of those tweets coming over the course of the next few days Texas, some well-deserved honors and recognition for what they've done to this point, and obviously hope they've got a few more things to accomplish this season. All right, Trey, before we uh, – actually, before we do anything else, a shout-out to the Texas volleyball team. Yes. How about that? They're going back to the Final Four for the 11th time in the last 16 years. Of course, they won it all last year. They're two wins away from winning it all again this year. They're the only non-one seed to make it to the Final Four. It's three one seeds in Texas. Texas, of course, a two seed who beat the number one seed Stanford on Saturday night. Three sets to one. This match really wasn't even that close. Uh, Big time by Jared Elliott and this Texas volleyball team continuing to make every Longhorn fan proud. No doubt about that. The games against Tennessee on Thursday night were also exciting. I guess we could have talked about those on Friday, but uh, Texas was down 
in the fourth set and about to drop out altogether. But uh, they got their act together and showed hearts of champions. And then they end up winning that shortened fifth set, uh, despite the fact that there was a really egregious replay that should have ended the match. But instead, it gave Tennessee a new life. They end up tying the fifth and final set at 14 apiece. You have to win by two. Texas got its act together from there. And boy, they were focused really from the get-go on Saturday night at Stanford, who was, I believe, the top-ranked team in the tournament. Skinner has been incredible for this ball club. Asia, of course, doing her thing as a blocker. Uh, and uh, their libero really cleaned up her act as a passer, which is uh, obviously a big deal when you're going up against a really good serving team like what Stanford was too. So I'm excited to see if we can get a back-to-back ship out of this volleyball program starting on Thursday night. And if they make it all the way to that uh, championship match on Saturday afternoon. That would be awesome. Congrats to Texas volleyball. And yeah, we'll see if they can get the job done in Tampa uh, later this week and into the weekend. All right. A word from our man, Tom McKay, who's been listening today and AV Consultations. Hi, this is Tom McKay, owner of Audiovisual Consultations, and all of us at Audiovisual would like to wish you and your family a happy holiday season. This time of year can get a little hectic, so we want to remind you to relax, enjoy the season with your family and friends, and give us a call for all your home entertainment needs. If you save the time you spend in traffic and big store crowds, you'd have more time with the people you actually enjoy. So smile, hug your kids, make love to your wife, and cheer the game with your friends. Call us at 255-8678. That's 512-255-8678 or online at AV Consultations. It's been entirely too long since I've seen Tom in person. I just need to give that man a warm embrace. I love the Tom McKay embrace there, you know? He's playing piano these days, too. (laughs) That's impressive. Yeah, I didn't realize he could do that. I would assume that it was Camilla doing that since she's just so talented as a performer. But I guess Tom uh, knows how to tickle the ivories, too. Do what now? Tickle the ivories. Play the piano. That's a synonym for playing the piano? It is, yeah. I've done some ivory tickling in my time then. Boy, I, are we sure that's a synonym for playing piano, or did I not, just get myself? We're not talking about the uh, the elephants that you finagle home from Dirty Sixth Street on a weekend, okay? <laughs> they, they've gotten bigger. They're no longer heifers. They are now elephants. <laughs> Boy, you walked into that one. Wow. Any, uh, they got trunks and stuff? Ooh, you tell me. Some people call them trunks, but. I don't know if they're what you're talking about. Badonkadonks. Yeah. Or the, the what are the horns? Tusks? Is that what yeah, they're called? The, that's the ivory. Yeah, that's uh hmm. Now I haven't experienced that yet. Thank goodness. Yeah. Uh, have you? Uh no, no, because I, I'm pretty sure that would have led to a piercing that would never have me showing <laughs> my face in public or private ever again. Uh, yeah, you'd be dead, I think. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Shout out to AV Consultations. Also, shout out to our friends at Covert B Cave. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned car, truck, or SUV, go see our friends at Covert B Cave. If you got something you need to trade in, too, they can help you out there at Covert B Cave. The best people, the best selection, the best prices anywhere in Central Texas. The Covert Auto Group has been around since 1909. Covert B Cave, their newest location, 42 acres of cars, trucks, and SUVs out there in the beautiful central Texas Hill Country. Go see them. There's something for you. Stop wasting your time in Austin traffic in a car that you don't like. Upgrade. Get you something nice from our friends at Covert B Cave. Check them out online at covertbcave.com. Nobody beats a covert deal. Not now, not ever. 
Uh, how about the statement the Dallas Cowboys made on Sunday night football last night, Trey? Not only a win over Philadelphia, but a beatdown over Philadelphia. 33-13, to the final. The Cowboys were in control pretty much from the opening kick, right? They got the ball first, marched down the field, scored a touchdown, and never really looked back. That's uh, about as much as you could have possibly asked for if you're a Cowboys fan. I know that the ebbs and flows of a conversation on a big regular season matchup will go back and forth between how impressed you are with the team that won versus how much does this say about the team that lost. And sometimes both things can be true, right? Like Philadelphia is clearly struggling right now, but this is a Dallas Cowboys team, BK, other than the first two and a half quarters of that Seattle game last week that has been kicking ass and taking names for a, uh, a, a more than half the season at this point. I know they've had a couple of slip-ups here and there, but Dallas looks really good on both sides of the ball. And while they may be a runner-up right now in terms of Super Bowl odds to the San Francisco 49ers, you have to give them as good a chance as anyone of making a run this postseason, as crazy as that seems to be, To as I hear those words coming out of my mouth, because of just how lethal they are on both sides of the ball, Dak Prescott, a legitimate MVP candidate right now, some uh, early season questions about whether he could be the guy, and that defense, despite the fact that they lost a couple of big pieces in the first month plus of the season, they really have not missed a beat. And they are uh, Both sides of the ball give you a lot of confidence, as does special teams too, by the way. My goodness, Brandon Aubrey, uh, talk about a, a, a freaking find out of nowhere. I mean, the guy didn't even play college football. He's a college soccer player drafted the MLS and he's banging 60 yarders like last night, like it was nothing. Yeah. First kicker in NFL history to make two 59 plus yard field goals in the same game. He still hasn't missed a field goal this year. He's missed like three extra points, but he has not missed a field goal, and he's hit a couple of 60-plus yarders this season. Uh, what a weapon that guy is. And that was a big kick in the first quarter, right? Dallas was up 7 nothing. Uh, they trot out the field goal team on a fourth and long for a 60-yarder. If you miss it, the Eagles basically get the ball near midfield, and you give them all the momentum in the world, and they maybe march down the field, score a touchdown, and tie it. But instead, yeah, Aubrey just buries it. Cowboys go up 10 to nothing. That guy is a freaking beast. And, uh, yeah, the Aubrey college soccer story has become the new Colt McCoy and Jordan Shipley are roommates story or the Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard story. Like every time, and it's a great story, but, man, they they milk that for all that it's worth on TV, don't they? Yeah, especially the Sunday night crew, too. Let me ask you, because you're someone who is uh, a Cowboys fan, so obviously you deal with Dallas Cowboys stress disorder. Where are you with this team right now? You're someone that uh, that has refused to believe with the, a lot of your teams in the past, but considering some of the uh, good fortune that your teams have had this year and how they've played, uh, maybe we're getting a more optimistic Brad Kellner about the professional football team too? The Cowboys have a chance. Okay. If somebody else beats San Francisco. Hmm. Because the Cowboys aren't beating San Francisco. I don't know if anybody's beating San Francisco. Like, they're yeah. the best team in football right now. But – yeah, I mean, the Niners have had the Cowboys number, and obviously at some point if you're going to get to the Super Bowl, you're probably going to have to beat San Francisco in their house. Uh, you're right, the Cowboys have changed since then. Oh, was that a dog? God damn it, dude. I'm going to kill these dogs. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, the Cowboys need to shut a door. There you go. The Cowboys have obviously gotten better since that uh, week four blowout loss on Sunday Night Football by the Bay. But, yeah, it's just I, I'm worried about them. Uh, for me, if the Cowboys can just get to the NFC Championship, that would be huge because it's been a long time since they've been there. 
The, the last month is going to be huge, though. Like, can the Cowboys go on the road and make it to an NFC Championship game? Yes, I think they can. Like, and that probably includes a trip to Philly. And the Cowboys played really well against Philly. I know the Eagles won that game uh, in the city of Brotherly Shove about a month ago, but Dallas held its own. And I, I don't think Dallas is scared of Philadelphia right now. But obviously, the Cowboys are just a different beast at home. They won 15 games in a row at AT&T, dating back to last year. And they're beating up on teams, man. Like, most yeah. of these games aren't even close. So if if somehow, some way, like, even though the Cowboys right now are in first in the NFC East, uh, if the Eagles went out, they're going to overtake Dallas because of the tiebreakers rule. If somehow, some way, the Cowboys can run the table, which is going to be tough because these next three games for Dallas are really hard, uh, and the Eagles – and the Eagles also lose, and they're not really playing anybody that good, then, yeah, the Cowboys getting a one or two seed would be massive, and I'd feel a lot better about their chances to really make some noise. But they're really good. I think they're better than what they've been the last two years. But if they've got to go on the road, I'm not worried about round one against NFC South Jabroni. I'm worried about round two against either Philly or San Francisco in their house. That's a very level-headed take, and Dallas does have a, a much more difficult end-of-season schedule than the Eagles do right now. Teams, by the way, that are either fighting for their playoff lives like the Bills or teams that are trying to remain on top of their division like the Detroit Lions, too. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, we will see. Uh, did they play the – no, they don't play the Giants again. They're done playing the Giants. I mean, the Giants are another interesting team in that division right now where Saquon Barkley was fired up when talked about this team possibly making the playoffs, but it's one of those weird years where a, a very average team that may be uh, right around or even just below 500 at the end of the season might be able to actually make the postseason. If the Giants are going to do that, though, they have to start winning now, and they don't really have any more slip-ups either. Did Saquon Barkley get traded or something? Uh, yeah, that you would think with what he was talking about with this season, not be over being over with. And also, Oh, by the way, Tommy DeVito being their quarterback, but I'm expecting Saquon Barkley to have a huge game tonight because that's a guy that uh, typically puts uh, his money where his mouth is. And uh, he was, he was running it a few days ago. I mean, the giants, what they, they beat the Patriots and now all of a sudden they're a playoff team The the Patriots. Yeah. Like the three win Pats. I mean, the giants right now are four and eight. They probably have to win their last five games to get to the playoffs. Maybe eight and nine in the NFC gets them in, but that's four and one. And the Giants still have to play the Eagles twice. At least four or five they would have to win. And, and they play a Packers team tonight that has been pretty good recently. Yeah. Like all the hate that Jordan Love was getting after the first three or four weeks of the season when he was really struggling, that's all gone away. People are like, oh, wait, Jordan Love may actually be a dude that Green Bay wants to keep around for a long time and was worth them getting rid of Aaron Rodgers in the process. So this is a huge hurdle for them to overcome tonight in, in this goal of them clawing their way back into playoff contention because like even putting it, posting it as a hypothetical, let's still behind so many teams right now. It's crazy the number of seven and six and six and seven teams that are in the NFL at this point. 13 teams that are seven and six or six and seven. And the Giants are two games behind six and seven right now. Yeah, they've got no shot. And they're going to lose tonight. And Saquon Barkley is going to look like an idiot. That's one of the dumbest things I've heard anyone say this year. And that's, it's December 11th. There's been some dumb things that I've heard over the course of the 300-something days that we've had in 2023. But that's near the top of the list right there. Um, Man, that'd be, that'd be awesome. 
Texans lose. They're seven and six. They got crushed. That game was zero zero at halftime. And then literally everything that could have gone wrong went wrong for the Texans because not only did they lose in a very important game for their playoff standings, they also lost CJ Stroud to a concussion. They lost Nico Collins to a calf injury. Will Anderson Jr. got hurt and left the game. Like it it was just bad to worse for the Texans. Damn, I didn't see the Will Anderson injury. Uh, yeah, C.J. Stroud may not play this weekend. Uh, typically, uh, teams want to be cautious with head injuries regardless of position. You're talking about quarterback, though. Yeah, there's no need to risk this. Like, it would be nice if the Texans were to make the playoffs this year, but you're still well ahead of schedule right now. So if next week's game potentially costs you, I mean, they're playing Tennessee, so there's a chance they can still win that game because Tennessee Ooh. sucks this year. But you just hate seeing this team losing Nico Collins a week after they lose Tank Dell to an injury. They're obviously without Dalton Schultz right now, too. Uh, it's just a bummer for a team that uh, has not only had some good fortune up to a certain point this year, but has also played really well. Surprised a ton of folks turned heads around the league for them to come plummeting back down to earth by losing to the Zach Wilson led Jets. Yeah, Wilson played well yesterday. Give him some credit, but. He did. It's probably more of an indictment on the Texans' defense than, uh, you know, something like Zach Wilson turning a corner. It's just, yeah, it's just one of those games where it's like mistake compound mistakes compounds bad luck. It's just a perfect storm for the Texans, unfortunately, that saw them get blown out by the Jets. Yeah, so, man, as a guy who had to cover Davis Mills for two years in Houston, I'm not sure they have a chance against anybody with that guy playing quarterback. This if Stroud's got to miss even one week, even if it's just one week, that might spell doom for the Texans with all of these seven and six teams. There are six, seven, and six teams in the AFC yeah. right now. So it's like, it's not must win. Uh, I hate that overused cliche. Uh, it's not must win on Sunday for the Texans against Tennessee. By the way, in Nashville, and the Titans will be wearing the old Oilers uniforms for that one, um, which is BS for so many different reasons. But yeah, that if the Texans about lose, this, I'd learn this in the preseason, dude. Yeah. This is going to piss me the fuck off when I see highlights of this game. As an old school Oilers fan who's now an NFL bastard, how dare you slap the city of Houston in the face like this? Yep. Bad bit. Bad bit right there. I mean, Tennessee didn't even want the Oilers. Like they wanted them to change the name right when they got to Nashville. They wanted nothing to do with that franchise and Yet they get all the history and tradition. It's really the jerseys that people care about, but you know the history and tradition too. That all counts for Tennessee and not for Houston. Those motherfuckers have not spent a second of emotional capital on the Houston Oilers. Give the rights to those uniforms and the team history back to the city of Houston, NFL. It's yeah. the right thing to do. I don't care if Bud Adams' offspring still owns the Tennessee Titans, and they're clinging to it for dear life. You can force owners to sell, as you did with Jerry Richardson, as you essentially did with Dan Snyder. You can force them to give up the Houston Oilers copyright, what you know, whatever legality needs to happen to allow the Texans to be able to flaunt that Houston Oilers stuff. That needs to happen, period. I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. 100%. Boy, that was always the easiest radio segment ever in Houston. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Talk about that in the middle of the summer, in the middle of the winter. It didn't matter. People uh, people always wanted to talk about how ridiculous it is that Houston doesn't have the Oilers. 
Hey, on the subject of the AFC South, does anybody in this division actually want to, I don't know, either win the division or make the playoffs? Jack yeah. lose yesterday to the Browns. The Colts get their asses kicked yesterday by Cincy. Houston loses yesterday. Tennessee's got to play Miami tonight, so they'll lose that one. That's going to be a boat race. Yeah, that division's been better than I think people thought it was going to be. True. But uh, not a great showing in uh, week 13 for the AFC South. Chiefs-Bills. I, like, is there any controversy here? Like, I'm a Chiefs guy. I'm a Chiefs supporter. And I think Kansas City is being ridiculous by how they're acting after what went down in that Bills game yesterday. Just a, a boneheaded mistake by Kadarius Toney, but an obvious call made by the official. Took a touchdown off the board. I mean, that's going to go down as one of the greatest plays that never happened in the history of the sport. That was awesome to watch, and it would have been really cool if that was a game winner. But uh, a clear and obvious call was made, and you know we always dunk on the officials for missing shit. Like they got that one right, and Kansas City is still furious about it. So thinking about the biggest names and faces, not just in football but throughout sports, and obviously the the best examples are probably going to come from football because it's far and away the most popular sport in this country. Like Pat Mahomes is in the top, I don't know, four or five of like all American type figures in sports where he's not only ridiculously talented, but he's got this charisma and he's pretty well liked. Like, I guess if you're a division rival, you don't care for Pat Mahomes a bunch, but he's a hard dude to dislike. How he conducted himself after that yesterday was bizarre. And it's my guess is that it's just the culmination of what has been a pretty frustrating season for him where he's still playing well, but his team is just completely letting him down week after week, dude. Yeah, I think it's a combination of a couple of things. Number one, what you said, uh, and the Chiefs are 8-5. and five. Mahomes has never played a road playoff game, and there's a very good chance he will have to do that this year because mm -hmm. Kansas City's the three seed, and they're still not mathematically eliminated from the one, but they're two games back of Baltimore right now. So uh, they're going to need a great final month, and they're going to need the Ravens to uh, stumble a couple of times. It's that. It's just frustration with the way the season's gone. It's also the fact that that just doesn't get called that often. But I think a lot of it is like there was an answer Mahomes could have said at the press conference, and I've got I've got what he did say. Uh, I'll play that first. So here's Patrick Mahomes. Everyone saw the tirade on the sideline. I think a lot of people saw the altercation. That, that, that's strong. The interaction he had with Josh Allen after the game where those guys are friends, and Mahomes should have just been like, hey, congrats, good game. You got me this time. But instead he's like, dude, they called an offsides on us. And like Josh Allen's like, okay, you've gotten plenty of calls before, dude. How about you shut the hell up? Uh, <laughs> I guess that, then, that's funny. And then you had here's uh, here's some of Mahomes' uh, post game comments to the media. I mean, not only for for me, but just for football in general. I mean, just to take away greatness like that. I mean, for a guy like Travis to make a play like that, and who knows if we win? But as I know, as fans, you want to see the guys on the field decide the game, and that's why last week. I didn't say anything about the flag. They didn't get called on the Marquez. And so, I mean, I, it, I mean, they're human, man. They make mistakes. But, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's every week we're talking about something, and all I can do is go out there and give everything I have. And I'm proud of the guys because that's what we did, and it was a great football game that ended another great football game that just ended like that. It's just tough tough to swallow. It's the so, so is the what, what he should have said just like the last sentence and a half there and left everything else out? Yeah, like I, I think there was an answer he could have given. Look, the call was right, so there would still be people who were dunking on Mahomes, but he, he, he could have been like, man, 
what happened to us last week? There was an obvious call that didn't go our way, right? Marquez Valdez-Scantling, the play Mahomes alluded to, like he was clearly interfered with on that last drive against the Packers. And Kansas City should have gotten a first and goal in the last minute with a chance to at least tie that game at the end of regulation. Like he could have just been like, man, it's annoying that like the most obvious call in the world was missed against us last week. And this call that like never gets called. Most people didn't even know that offensive offsides existed. Like this call is the one that gets called. So it's annoying that it feels like the last two weeks we've gotten the raw end of the deal in both of those games. And it's frustrating that the consistency is just not there from the officials. Sometimes they make these calls. Sometimes they don't make these calls. Like, I feel like he could have said that and people would have been like, okay, that makes a little bit more sense. But instead he's just like, that was a horrible call and they missed it. And the refs keep screwing over teams. And this is not what the fans want to see. And it's like, dude, like they got the call, right. You're not going to win over the court of public opinion here because the fans all agree that they got the call right. This was not a subjective call. They they got it right, and they threw a flag on it. You can't be bitching at the refs for them actually doing their job correctly. There's a very easy way that this all could have been avoided, BK. What is it? With any wide receiver, anytime he's actually lining up on the line of scrimmage, what do you see guys do? It's rare that you don't see that happen. You point down the line to make sure you're not fucking off sides. Yeah, it'd be one thing if, like, Tony did that, and then the ref still threw the flag. Like, the ref is like, you're good, and then he threw the flag. No, he didn't do that. He didn't that, do it. That would be a completely different conversation. Then he <laughs> should be frustrated by that. But to Kadarius Tony, who is, I don't know, is he one of the biggest space cadets in the NFL? Like, he's got supreme talent but he just keeps finding ways to fuck up. Like the Giants clearly didn't want him. And for all the promise of what was to be in Kansas City, none of that has manifested itself. As a matter of fact, the opposite has happened with that guy. Yeah, he's cost the Chiefs like two or three games this year on his yes. own. And the Chiefs receiving core in general has, has cost them probably four games. And they only have five losses this year. So, uh, yeah, just frustration. Bad look for the Chiefs. You're right. They, they were super likable, I think, at the start of this run. The more you win, the less liked you are. Like Tom Brady, everyone loved the Tom Brady story at the start, right? And then the Patriots just kept winning, and it's like, oh, if the Patriots were tired of them. Uh, the, the Chiefs are entering that territory now where obviously they're winning a lot, but now they're acting like this too. feels like yesterday they, they kind of became a villain for a lot of folks, and I don't know if people are rooting for them like they did maybe a few years back. I'll tell you, there are enough people that are uh, enough football fans, I should say, that are sick of the whole Taylor Swift element to all of this. That alone is leading to a lot more hate than this franchise has dealt with over the last three plus years now. Great point. Great point. Yep, that's not helping their cause either. What was she there yesterday? I I didn't tune into a second of the game. She was. Yeah. Okay. Up in the suite, and they only showed her about forty six times. So we're we're going down. Was she sitting with Brittany Mahomes again? Uh, I don't think they were next to each other. Okay. She was giving a couple of hugs to other folks when they showed her on the screen, but I don't, I don't know if Brittany was right there. Okay. Um, I'm sure she was in the box though. And Just yeah, wondering how much Pat is having to hear about that whenever he's back at home with uh, wife and young kid. Just the jealousy that's being expressed with uh with Taylor getting all the attention. Drawing maybe, it away from Brittany in the process. Maybe that's part of the frustration too. Some at-home stuff from Mahomes coming to a head there. Yeah, Mahomes and Maato. Not a great, not a great day for them yesterday. Shout out to Great Blue Hair and Furniture. It could be a great day for you if you buy a nice piece of furniture from Great Blue Hair and Furniture. New sofa, new recliner, new something for the holidays. Reward yourself 
Buy yourself a nice couch. Make this the last couch you're ever going to buy. Great Blue Heron Furniture is the best-looking, most comfortable, and best-built furniture anywhere in the entire world. Just go to the website, greatblueheronfurniture.com, and take 15% off with the promo code HOOKEM. Look at what they've got on there already, or come up with your own. It's a custom leather furniture company. If there's something that you got cooking of what you want your favorite piece of furniture to look like, just reach out to them, and they will make it happen for you. They'll turn your furniture dreams into reality. Longhorn-owned company. Most of the manufacturing is done right here in Texas. It's greatblueheronfurniture.com. And shout out to Altstat Beer as well. Got to give them some love. Had a few of those over the weekend. Hopefully you did too. Uh, Whatever you have going on throughout the holidays, make sure you're accompanying your good times with the greatness of Altstat Beer. No impurities. No regrets. All right, we might have to save the uh, the Shohei conversation for tomorrow because I'm fascinated to hear the details of you breaking your son's finger yesterday. Mm. Without further ado... We'll go recorded spot today from our friends at Pest Wranglers. Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. What are you doing? I'm making a silly commercial like other companies so people will remember our name. But we're not like other companies. Anyone could see that from our five-star reviews. But how will people remember Pest Wranglers? Well, once they try us, they'll never forget that we are the most effective, reliable, and affordable pest control company. I guess you're right. Pest Wranglers is the best at pest control, wildlife management, termite pest control. Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. What are you doing? Hey, it couldn't hurt. Pest Wranglers, 512. 512- 670-7808 or find us on the web at pestwranglers.com. Where are we at in society today? That's right. It is your regular look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will bring you a story that provides a sense of optimism as it's all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. And today is neither of those things. Today is another personal anecdote that I have to share with you and the people, BK. That unfortunately involves me hurting my seven-year-old son, Calvin, who I love along with my daughter and wife as much as anything on this planet. But sometimes that you have to hurt that which you love. Yeah. Shout out Adrian Peterson. Well done by you paying homage to him yesterday. No switches picked off of trees yesterday, BK. Just a friendly game of catch between father and son. You see, over the last couple months now, as Calvin has continued to uh, grow his interest in football, that has included his desire to one day be an NFL wide receiver. As his dad, I'm happy to play catch with him, whether it's baseball or football or I guess you don't really play catch in basketball, but shoot baskets with him, uh, kick the soccer ball around with him as much as I despise that sport. I love throwing the football with Calvin and I've loved teaching him all the different routes that we get to run. So a few months ago, when we started throwing the football, we started with this squishy. It's a football that is meant for the swimming pool where it doesn't retain water. And so you can squeeze it out pretty quickly and it's not getting all heavy or lopsided like what typically happens with Nerf footballs. And it's a good football for uh, someone with his little seven-year-old hands to learn how to catch with his hands rather than trying to catch everything with his body. Well, a month ago, he told me that he wanted to graduate to more of a realistic football. And so we went to Academy. Shout out to Academy for 
God, they've got everything there. I love Academy. They are a uh, occasional partner of uh, this channel. And uh, even if they weren't, I would tell you Academy is an awesome place to go for your sporting good needs. So we go to Academy. We get a football. I make sure to do the research and find the ball that is like appropriate for his age, right? Because one of the big things with learning how to play a sport is learning with equipment and a court or playing surface that is more suited to your size. And so he doesn't play with an NFL size ball at his age. They play with a smaller ball. Now it's still a leather football though. So it is a firm football and we make sure to pump it up. We're not Tom Brady here. So we make sure to pump it up to what the legal PSI is on the, uh, the little markings around the needle hole in the ball. And so for a month now we've been playing with this ball and, uh, doing square ins and outs and slants and uh, loop de loos is what we call a certain route and, and up and uh, out and ups and then just straight up go routes. And yesterday we went to the field that he normally plays sports on during recess at his school. So we went to his school recess with Justine and Vivian. So we were going as a family to kick the soccer ball around and play or whatever. And at one point he and I are running routes and we go through the the different routes. We run them on each side. And then we do the go route, BK. And in throwing the go route, I probably throw the ball, I don't know, 10 to 15 yards downfield. And typically, I'm getting it in where that bread basket catches for him, where he can just kind of catch it next to his body. Yeah. This ball went a little bit over his head, and he attempted to Odell Beckham Jr. this ball about 15 yards down the field, and it hit perfectly on the top of his thumb mm. immediately goes down is immediately crying and crying loudly too. And as most parents who listen to this show or uh, a part of this channel can attest to, you can tell when your kids are crying for attention and when they're crying because something really hurts physically or emotionally. And I could tell immediately that this hurt physically mm. knowing that it had just hit a finger. I was like, well, we've got a broken finger here. So immediately run over to him, uh, help him get up off the ground. What'd you tell him? I told two, him to rub some two hands, two hands, dude, <laughs> dirt on it and get back up. No, I told him, dude, where did it hit you? Pointed to the top of his thumb. It's immediately bruising. Like, did, at he, ca did he catch it? He didn't catch the ball, no. He so a drop, Beckham Jr. the ball. A drop, and he tried with one hand when he could have probably caught it if he used two. I've always harped on him to catch the ball with two. When you got those wide receiver gloves where everything sticks to him, you can try the one-handed catches. But the reason why we're not wearing the gloves is because we're learning to catch with our hands. Hmm. So still trying to go with the, uh, the Madden-esque one-handed catch play here. So I pick him up off the ground. He is immediately bruising underneath the thumbnail or underneath the thumb, uh, the nail on this thumb. So I'm like, oh, shoot, this, this is not good. Justine comes over. She does the motherly slash nurse thing, gets him. We go home pretty quickly. She and I are talking on the way home. Do we just need to go ahead and x-ray this bad boy? The decision was made. Yes, we need to go ahead and x-ray it. Sure enough, we've got a broken fingertip on his thumb a broken thumb tip if you will and so he is having to uh, keep it in a splint for a week or two it will eventually heal on its own which is a good thing the fact that it's a tip is also best case scenario for a finger fracture but yes i broke my son's finger doing something that we love 
together and something that is like genuinely one of my favorite things to do on this planet. I hurt my son and feel like a complete piece of shit as a result. But you only hurt his tip. Just the tip. Hmm. I don't know you could break just the tip. So is it considered a broken thumb or it's like a it's separate entity? I guess it depends on how big the rest is, you know? Yeah. Maybe you're only working with a tip. So is he... Relative to others. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, sometimes that's enough. That really is all you need at times, right? You don't need the full thing. It just depends on how early on you are in the whole route running process, I guess. Like you just you just need the tip of your finger for your, for your phone. You don't need the whole the whole thumb. So that's the the way that I knew that he was seriously hurt is we were going home, and their screen time was already done for the day. I was like, "Hey, you need to you need to go on the uh, the Xbox or the Switch and play some games." He's like, "I can't right now. My thumb hurts too much." I'm like, "Oh fuck!" Oh no! Can't even play Xbox. So they took the switch with them and Justine, like she texted me as they were waiting for the x-ray technician to take them back or whatever. And she's like, he's barely playing this thing. She's like, it's definitely broken. Mm. Like, yeah. And uh, yeah, again, fortunately it's not a displaced fracture because that would be much worse and probably required surgery. But yeah, he's, he's going to be out of commission. The funny thing about kids and injuries though, like he felt fine this morning. Like he said, it didn't even hurt anymore. And there's a kid that we walked to school with. Like, first thing we saw this kid, he's bragging about how he broke his thumb playing football yesterday. So I'm sure go. he's going to be talk of his class and probably the entire grade today because he hurt himself in such a manly fashion. Does he have a cast? Duh, it's it's a splint. No, uh, it's like this little splint. That. So his thumb is just like up and it's like wrapped also. So it's it's very evident that he's dealing with an injury on his hands. But it's not even, he's not even going to have to pull the hand up. He's just, I mean, he's going to be volunteering this information to people. I'm not going to be surprised if the principal and vice principal are emailing me at some point later today saying how sorry they are that Calvin got hurt, that he came into the principal's office just to tell them. Mm, he yeah, was that's... very, uh, very happy to have an injury to, to discuss with people. I feel bad. Like, I wish he had a cast on because that's how you get the girls when you're in elementary school. You got the cast and people sign it. Like that's, mm. that's badass right there. That's like an elite status. That's all the riz you need. If you're a young kid, he already doesn't need that. He's already got that work. If anything, this is maybe going to hamper him a little bit. Cause it's going to look like he's rooting for A&M. Anytime he holds his hand up, he's going to have that yeah. thumbs up going. And they're going to be like, wait, you're an Aggie fan. Now we want nothing to do with you. Yeah. I guess the animals might be turned on, but that's not what he's looking for. I hope if there were, uh, if there were, <laughs> <laughs> never mind no nope. come on nope i'm stopping right there already took a uh, hit on this show today you can't say it pedo bestiality is uh is where i have to draw the line bk so i'm not i'm not gonna say anything anything anywhere close to uh the the fuckable sheep at the elementary school on the recess yards or uh would, would have to be a little bit more worried just based on on the look even though the kid himself has no interest in humping a sheep yeah. So now that the injury has happened, have you decided that it was your fault or was it Calvin's fault? Was it a bad throw? Uh, did you not put enough air under it? It's uh, it's it my fault because it is a hard ball and we probably should have kept to the closer routes. Like he kept wanting to go further and further. I'm like, dude, you don't catch well enough yet. But I was also trying to be accommodating to him. I just needed to be like, look, if we're going to throw the deeper balls, we need to have a softer ball. 
because this ball is coming in harder and you're not doing a good enough job of catching the ball with your hands just yet. Yeah, you're like Anthony Richardson, man, just just gunning them in there. You're throwing it with too much velocity. Can't See, I don't that. know what this means, Jake. You were probably throwing the ball like Peyton Manning was in that SNL skit. Was he just zipping it in like what you're talking about? Oh, well, the kids weren't looking. He would just like pelt them in the back of the head as the kids well, I, are running routes. Definitely try not to do that. <laughs> uh, but I even even my attempt to uh, loft the ball, unfortunately, it was my attempt to loft the ball and take a little bit of off of it that, that probably had it sail over his head to where he's – trying to go OBJ on making the catch and instead breaks his thumb in the process. Mm. Well, congratulations, murderer. You killed your son's thumb. Robert, if you, if he's lucky, his thumb will look like mine. This has been a uh, valuable resource for me in hitchhiking and in, uh, in other areas of life. It, just, it makes no sense how you can do that. This is all I've got. Yeah, it takes a 90-degree turn. Starts going the other direction from where it should. Uh, gross. Glad that's not genetics. Or at least I, I hope that's not genetics. I think it is genetic. So one of my kids, both of my kids don't have it though. So they, they have avoided it. Their kids though, one of them is probably going to be screwed. <laughs> that's how it works. All right. Well, there's where are we at in society today. Uh, Trey, father of the year. Your son's going to get you one of those mugs for your birthday. Then he's going to throw it at you. Well, hopefully it. he doesn't hit me in the thumb. Yeah, exactly. All right. It's time to bring on the fellas. It is one o'clock after all. We've got Chip and we've got Zay. Gentlemen, how we doing? What's going on? What up? Not much. How was y'all's weekend? Oh, fantastic. Uh oh. Zay's, I mean, Zay's got a look on his face like he survived. Missed the party. Missed the party at Chip's place. He just sends me the invite day of. I'm already out of town and stuff. We didn't discuss this. My partner, we talk all this sports talk. Could have let me know. I could have moved. Check the check the date on that again. Uh oh. BK, were you at this party? I was at the party. Ouch. At least you got an invite, Zay. (laughs) Yeah, at least you got an invite, Zay. Hell, I'd have I'd have invited Trey. Oh. He would have come. It was was around noon. It was around noon Saturday. I got it. I'm already in like the neck of the woods and outskirts of Houston. But it's cool. It's cool, Mm -hmm. man. Damn. We we were at a neighborhood Christmas party on Saturday night anyhow where uh, I was the one like – oh, I was sober. I was the one sober person at this party. Everybody else was just completely plastered other than the kids. The kids were not drunk as far as I know either. That's good. Yeah. I mean – why aren't you hitting the eggnog? What's, what's wrong with you? Um, I I had taken a tiny bit of mushrooms beforehand, and also <laughs> smoked some beans. Uh, I was trying not to go full throttle. There you go. All right, that's uh, what I'm talking about. I did. It's a microdose, though. I wasn't taking a heroic dose. Okay. Guy says he's sober, then he's telling us he's on shrooms. It's like yeah, I don't know how that works. This is like four hours later. That should ah been- okay. No, so, hey. Our guy Ricky Williams looked a little bit stoned at the Heisman ceremony on Saturday. It oh, was sure great. He was. It was uh, great. He looked amazing. Hey, for the brand. He's got the weed brand. to sell. He's trying to push some product now. That's true. Got to be on that Heisman at the Heisman, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Well, if it makes y'all feel better, it was the greatest party I've ever been to in my entire <laughs> life on Saturday. Ouch. Just rubbing it in. 
Fatality, Trey, man. you're in. Zay is out. Why am I out? What? I want to pay him. I'm out of town. What are you? What are we talking about? It's okay. All right. All right, oh, all right guys. Well, we're excited to listen today. Y'all have a great show. Talk to y'all at three. Appreciate y'all.